Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh, week two of OTAs now in the books. Nick Jacobs, how will you remember week two of the 2022 uh, organized team activities for the Kansas City Chiefs? The first time Patrick Mahomes is not at an OTA, nobody panicked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Patrick, where was he? He was he was uh he was, was he drinking course light on the golf course? <laughs> no, he was using his swing juice as they call it. No. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I'll remember it for getting my getting my hair did. He got it shaved again. That's what yeah, I like to call yeah. it whenever I get my head shaved. I call it getting my hair did. Yeah, no, it, it looks good. Um, although I will tell you the white balance um has been thrown off a little bit now that you have no hairs. Yeah, you know, I mean it you know, it <laughs> shines up real nice. So I mean, yeah, I can't can't change the iris on this uh on this cam over top. That's why I don't use go. it very often. There you go. It's a thing of beauty, sir. It makes me look beauty. angelic. I don't like that. <laughs> um, People think look, I'm honestly, good or honestly, other than Patrick Mahomes, like trying to drag the golfing carcass of Josh Allen to a win in the match. Whoa, whoa. Josh Allen was terrible. Like I'm I not know. saying he wasn't terrible, but like let's not make it sound like the man is. Is like uh, his golf game is dead and buried. That was that was atrocious. He they all struggled in their own way. It's just Brady looked the least terrible of the bunch. Rogers, no, had Aaron Rodgers was the best player out there, man. I don't know what you were watching. I was watching it and I saw Aaron Rodgers hooking a lot of stuff to the right. Tom Brady was god awful too. It was embarrassing. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes played 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 the best. If only, if only we could get them to play on a football field someday, that would be right. <laughs> I know. Like that may be the only time we actually get to see them is on a golf course against each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, they'll, yeah. They'll never meet in an actual game. Um, but was that bigger news or was the fact that Orlando Brown still has an agent bigger news for chiefs kingdom this week? Uh, not still. He got one. That's the biggest, that's the news. I even put a ringing the bell thing on Twitter when it happened. That was big news. <laughs> I was, you know, I was going to have the, I was going to call the Vatican, have them put some smoke up. Let them know that yep. white Brown smoke, white agent. smoke. We've yep. got Brown's got an agent now. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been some red smoke for it for chiefs colors. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and he, he went with Michael Portner um, from Delta sports group. And he is the first NFL client for, uh, for this agency. Um, I got to say, I'm, I'm not surprised that, Orlando Brown went an unconventional route um, in selecting an agent. Um, the only thing, like, I mean, unless he was going to go with a big time group, like, uh, you know, like just lining up with, say, you know, Pat Mahomes agency, um, you know, Steinberg Sports, um, this was probably, uh, this would, I would, my second best odds would have been something out of left field you never would have expected for Brown in terms of picking an agent. The longer it went, I mean, I'm I'm going to be very blunt about this, and I'm not going to hold back on this so people aren't left guessing on this one. And if it burns me, it burns me because I'm, I'm not going to be the one breaking that story. I, I already know that one. So um, I didn't carry the water for that like somebody else did the entire way. They'll be getting that story whenever that time comes. Um, but, look, I mean – I, I, my personal opinion and things I've also heard, um, 
there were some people there were a lot of people that were uh, there were a lot of and i better not say a lot because people are gonna you know the different definitions on that people take the different ways i know people were interviewed um but i have a sneaky suspicion that unless you said what he wanted to hear about being the top eight left tackle and getting him close to that market value wise I've just got a feeling that uh, you weren't in contention for his services and the, and the bigger agencies that were more realistic about what the price was going to be and the approach that was going to have to be taken. If you wanted to get to that price, I feel like they took themselves out of contention pretty quickly and didn't make it to the, didn't make it to the, you know, the final, the final, uh, they didn't get a rose. They did. They did not get the single rose that was available. Um, so, I mean, that, that's really, I think that's the reality of it. And like I tweeted out yesterday, somebody promised him the moon clearly. Um, because you know, you can say in the press release, all those nice things and everything that give good PR spin about, uh, about how you connected on this and connected on that and everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, you want an agent that, that can work with that, knows general managers tricks on around the league has dealt with enough contracts has been able to look through enough contracts and isn't going to understands the reality of it but the agents that understood the reality of it probably weren't going to be afforded the opportunity to uh get the deal done so i'm i'm very interested i'm very curious to see how this contract situation goes because it's i mean the the three things are this there's there's probably and here's the other thing I want to put out there that's been in the report that I, that I saw put out there by uh, Jordan Rogers um, and other people have said the Chiefs want to get an extension done they want to get this done um, Orlando loves football Orlando wants to get an extension done I'm not saying anybody doesn't want to get an extension done the key part that's being left out of there is where's the number at for both parties right like if the Chiefs are at 16 to 20 million. And Orlando's at 23 to 25 million. Like, yeah, they want to get extensions done, but that number is far apart depending on the years. And that's the part that everybody keeps missing from the key words that they deliberately keep out of their reports because they don't want to show the reality of it. If Orlando Brown Jr. becomes the highest paid left tackle in the NFL, that guy's going to get a lot more clients. (laughs) I do not think it will be with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and yeah, to your point, I don't think that that Michael Portner will be the last. Uh, uh, will will have only one NFL client for very long. Like I mean, for him, from his, yeah, from his perspective, this is big. If he's able to get Orlando that contract, that's going to get him a lot more clients, and that's going to help his agency really, you know, and whether he's a part of take off. Right. I, I just if the look if the Chiefs weren't willing to pay Tyreek Hill top of the market dollars and and put themselves in that position um i just don't know that they're going to do that for orlando brown jr unless they are much more convinced than you and i that he is the left tackle of the future um and he is irreplaceable and um deserving of that figure and they don't have any other option that they could do that would be replacement level or above uh, cheaper. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not there with as far as the chiefs are concerned. I just, I'm not, um, um, and I, unless you've changed your tune, uh, since yesterday, I don't think you are either. (laughs) I mean, the, the reality is this, 
And they got till July 15th to figure it out. Right. To get a deal done. After that, it doesn't matter anymore. And it can't be done until after December. Right. After so. that, like, it's just a, he's got to sign the franchise tag. He's going to play on the, you know, for 16.662 million or whatever it is this year. And then I wish I had those type of problems. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, like Orlando Brown Jr. is getting paid this year either way. I mean, you know, and people, you know, look, if you're asking, well, then what incentive is there for Orlando Brown to sign? Well, security, right? Because if you sign a long-term extension, whether it's three, four, or five years, there's going to be a lot more guaranteed money than 16.6 included in that deal, no matter what the final average annual value comes out at, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, market resetting, uh, you know, dollars or not. Uh, it's going to be more money that he's guaranteed at, at the signing of the contract. And it also means... Look, I mean, if Orlando Brown goes out and tears an ACL, and I'm not wishing that on anybody, right? But it's the reality of professional sports, professional football. These things happen. Um, if he goes out and gets hurt, um, then his market, he, he's definitely not getting top of the market value, you know, next year. Um, and so it's a big risk if you play on the franchise tag. So that's the leverage the situation creates, right? Like, um, you know, from, a, from the player's perspective, like it, it leaves you out there, um, you know, kind of exposed from a financial perspective, um, you know, because if something happens, if you have a bad year, um, you know, if you get injured, something like that, um, then, then it really, you're, you're risking a lot of future earnings, which is why the long-term deal will be tantalizing. Um, like, I think we're going to find out a lot about how much Orlando Brown really does love football and how much Orlando Brown really does want to be with the Kansas city chiefs, um, in the next month and a half, because, uh, I'm not sure that I see the Chiefs going 23 million or higher, um, you know. And so if he, you know, um, I think he, he'd have to come down. And and uh, you know, if if he really wants to be with the Chiefs and they say, hey, this is the best we can do, um, then I think Orlando Brown's going to have to accept that at some point. If what he really cares about is being the highest paid left tackle in football, and that's his right too, right? Like he's he's allowed to do that and say that. Well, then. Uh, I think we'll know by July 15th because he won't have had a long-term extension sign. Yeah. And like we've talked about in previous podcasts the past couple of weeks, I mean, the next key point will be whenever he signs the franchise tender and when he shows up, does he show up at OTAs next week? Does he show up at mini camp the following week? Or is it, he didn't show up till training camp after July 15th when there's no more leverage at that point. Cause after July 15th, the leverage is gone. Like there's nothing else. You just sign the tender and you show up for training camp yeah. or you hold out until after training camp and you just dig yourself a bigger hole in terms of negotiations and you're behind potentially from a conditioning perspective at training camp. Doesn't mean you can't work out on your own down in Florida like he's doing, but it's just not going to, you know, you're, you're not putting on the football pads. You're not getting in football condition. You're not doing the hitting in the same way. And it's just a different level. And that it takes players two to four weeks acclimation wise to get up to that point. So that, that would be an incredible move by Michael Portner. If his first NFL client, like he takes it all, all the way to the deadline and then like orchestrates a long-term like holdout that costs his client money. Cause he'll start getting fined if he's not in camp. Well, no, no, no. He doesn't until he signs the tender. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. But but I mean, look, he, you can't negotiate a long-term deal after that point anyway, at right. least not, I mean, you know, so 
there's there's not much incentive there to, to do that. No, but that that would be absolutely incredible if Michael Porter, if that's the game plan. Like I would, uh, it would be a fascinating case study one day. With with him being an unknown, you just you're curious to see how the strategy is going to go, like up to July fifteenth, and and then I, I I mean I have a pretty good idea where the information is going to come from and the the stories about it. I already we already have a pretty good indi- indicator for who from NFL Network is going to have that one. Um, so like I mean you know you're just waiting to see whenever he whenever he tweets something out about it and be like gee I wonder where that source is from. <laughs> <laughs> Carried the water for the past three stories. Um, but you know it is, it is what it is on that one. But I mean I don't know. I mean we'll uh, I'll be intrigued to see how that shakes out. But if he doesn't get his client, it's just going to be funny because Orlando's previous clients, or I mean, Orlando's agents, uh, you know, his previous agents and and their clients, like they're going to be in this corner watching what the potential offer was that they probably had on the table and, and let him know about versus what he ends up getting. That's going to be intriguing to me. And if I ever end up hearing about that, and then also what, um, what what other agents across the league are going to say about that contract if they got their own clients that are coming up in the future like hey i, I would have gotten you x y and z here so yeah. like don't stay with me i'll get you what, this and this real quick what's what's fair i mean is ronnie stanley money fair like five year hundred million dollar contract um you know i mean if the chiefs ultimately decide hey he's our guy he's our left tackle of the future we're going to give him five years, hundred million. Uh, are you fine with that? Or are, are you still going to be um, destroying a spicy chicken meal that, that night? I don't know. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, cause like the contract, the market, in my opinion, has been set this year with Taron Armstead's deal. So, I mean, that's, that's where the market, in my opinion was now. I mean, his agent can argue that, he hasn't had the same knee injuries and he's five years younger and everything, but Taron Armstead's kind of one of the standards at left tackle in the NFL right now that isn't named Trent Williams. So in that regard, I mean, he's getting, you know, Taron next year. I mean, this year he's got a $3.9 million cap hit next year. He's got a 20 million, $20.4 million cap hit following year, $16.6 million cap hit $16.7 million cap hit. $16.7 million cap at the following year in 2026, but the team can get out of it after 2024. So, yeah. I mean, for somebody like Orlando, it's probably along the lines of a three-year deal. And for me personally, I mean, if I, if I'm in the chief shoes, I really don't want to go over 18 a year. So, I mean, somewhere around that three years, 54 million, I think giving him 16 million a year is reasonable for a couple of years, but I would have an escape patch from the contract around 28 or 29 to be able to make a decision if they have to, or if they need to find money to, you mean age 28, right? Yeah. Age 28 or 29, not 2028 or 2000. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want like, this to be like, Patrick I was like, Mahomes man, contract. Nick, Nick wants it. He's, he's like, nah, we're giving him a Pat Mahomes contract. Yeah, no, <laughs> thank you for that clarification. That was a uh, very kind of you, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like he's 20. I'm going to tweet now. it. Find out why Nick Jacobs <laughs> hopes the Chiefs sign Orlando Brown till 29. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be any different than Tyreek Hill's uh, teaser podcast. So that'll be, that'll be interesting in itself. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like, yeah, I, I, I just, I think I, I'm curious to see if the chiefs go over the $20 million a year mark or not. 
Like if they get to that level or they go over that level, that's, that's where I'm kind of intrigued in terms of what they end up doing, which would go to your five years, hundred million. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be less comfortable with the years than I would be the, the money in that situation, just because, you know, I think that, I think the, you know, the, uh, salary cap's going to go up in the next few years, things like that. But I agree. I mean, Terran Armstead got a five-year, $75 million contract, right? So that's $15 million a year. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just – I'm definitely – I'm not throwing, you know, Trent Williams or or uh, David Bakhtiari money uh, around on a guy that I'm not sold is in that class. So And, and like, the other key thing when you're looking at cap right now, um, Joe, Joe Tooney in 2023, I mean, Joe Tooney is going to be at $22 million a year cap hit. It's all, I mean, he's got 15 million guaranteed, so they're not going to be able to do anything with that number next year. And they've only got 17 million in cap space right now. And that's without Orlando Brown on, on the roster. So, I mean, the chiefs are going to, yeah, with Mahomes' contract being a, yeah, I mean, cause here's, here's the big cap hits next year. When you're looking at 2023, Mahomes is 46.7 million, but roster bonus wise, there's 30.34.4 that can move. Right, and well, and that's part to. of the advantage this year of not having to mess with his roster bonus for the first time since he signed that extension. Yeah, I, I think you're going to have to have some years where you eat it and you pay Patrick the the money. There, there, it looks like they're doing that this year, so that might give him a little more flexibility to fudge it next year. Right. And then the next contract that they're going to have to make a decision on, it's going to be Chris Jones at 27 million a year. Then Frank Clark at 28.6 million a year. If they did move on from Jones and Clark after this year, if they don't perform up to those levels, then that's 39 million that they potentially get off the books and they're in comfortable cap space to do whatever they may need to do. And you're hoping a lot of those young guys develop and a lot of those guys that they signed developed because I mean, cap wise, man, I mean, You've only got five guys that are above. Uh, well, actually, hey, let me count it up here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you get seven guys total that are above ten million dollars, and that's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Travis Kelsey, Joe Tooney, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Justin Reed, and you're still going to have to figure something out with Juju Smith-Schuster if he performs well. Is he's not even on? You know, he's not even technically on the books next year. Yeah. So you're going to figure out that number if you want to get that done. And Orlando Brown, you have to figure out. And then after that, you're really kind of, it's just kind of, you know, guys that for the most part, you're not necessarily uh journeyman is how I'm going to put it in a certain way to be blunt about it. It's guys that are going to be near vet minimum and aren't really going to break the bank after Juju Smith Schuster and Orlando Brown. So those, those are your two big free agents next year that you're going to have to make decisions on. Yeah, no, it'll be, uh, yeah, well, let, let's not go too far down the road, Nick. Um, oh, you know. okay, Todd. Uh, let's not play GM and do what Brett I mean, let's, is let's to not, do. Let's not, look, I mean, I, you know, I can't get you to talk about, you know, um, you know, who might be the punter or kick returner this year, um, but we're already yeah. trying to figure out the 2023 or 2024 salary cap, man. Yeah, but that's a bigger, that's a bigger priority than punter and kick return. <laughs> for you, maybe. Um, yeah, Todd, I enjoy not that. For, not for me and Brett Veach, though. Yeah, um, oh, oh, Brett Veach, <laughs> stopped it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. If he if if he disputes that, he's welcome to come on anytime. Stand, standing invitation stuff. Yeah, um, I'll let him know <laughs> if I ever see him out training. <laughs> right. Um, no, but you you know I mean uh, you know look I, that's an I I think I think our I don't think my my opinion or your opinion about Orlando Brown as a player or or where that contract should stand is going to change. Uh, between now and July 15th. So hopefully we won't know, have to talk I about it somebody that's going to be upset about us talking about it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, we can, you know, I mean, it's been a while since I've asked you about Ben Neiman or or Daniel Sorensen on, on Facebook from one of my many burner accounts, but I can I can resurrect some of that stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to acknowledge it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I do low key love the fact that like Sorensen and Matthew are both on the Saints this year. <laughs> like, I'm looking forward. Now we'll see after training too. Right, right. But I'm looking forward to that uh, that immensely. Um, but you look. You mentioned also the Tyreek Hill thing. Um, you know, you kind of hinted at it. So Tyreek Hill put out a teaser for a podcast where. Um, the the suggestion that is being put out there in hopes that you that people will start downloading Tyreek's new podcast when it comes out next week is that he's going to say something salacious about um, the Chiefs having tried to suppress his stats to um, suppress his free agent value. Um, I've got to say, I, I Tyreek Hill. To be clear, Tyreek Hill did not say that right like we don't we haven't actually heard Tyreek say that but he set a franchise record with 111 catches last year and uh, I get that like the deep balls weren't there as much based on some of the coverages they saw but if the suggestion is that the Chiefs sacrificed the opportunity to try to win a Super Bowl to win a contract negotiation with Tyreek Hill um, I'm, I'm just going to call shenanigans, brother. Look, I'm, uh, I'm going to give my thoughts on the, on the teaser, on the little teaser that they had there, which is they, they did what they're supposed to do. Right. People they got people to retweet it and talk about it. We're talking about it on the podcast. Other people are talking about it. People are retweeting it, favorite it. Everybody's waiting for June 10th. I mean, not everybody. My mom doesn't know anything about it still, but um, <laughs> there's other people in the world that are, you know, are waiting for it. Like it's going to be a, a show coming out on Paramount Plus or something. Um, but like, here, here's where I take issue with what, what he did say in the tease whenever him and Drew Rosenhaus talked about how they wanted to stay in Kansas City. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, no, you wanted to go to Miami. If you want to stay in Kansas City, you would have taken less money to stay in Kansas City. Right. Travis Kelsey did, Patrick Mahomes did. So like, let's not play this little game and let's not sit here and say that, oh yeah, no, we, yeah, I wanted to stay in Kansas City. I'm sure you did at $30 million a year at top market value. And people, I know people have said, well, he didn't, he, you know, he, he deserved it because he's performed and everything. Guess what? Here's the thing about loyalty. Sometimes money isn't the most important thing in the world. If you're trying to chase greatness and win championships, Tyreek Hill proved to me. He doesn't want to do that anymore. That's plain and simple. He decided with his action that getting paid and setting his family up for life is more important. That's completely fine. I'm not upset with that. That's fine. But you're going to go be irrelevant in Miami. So congratulations. Like, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But the other part of it is 
if you're going to sit there and say and be like, well, we want to stay in Kansas City and that type of stuff and try to mislead people with the words, I'm sorry, but people have a logic. They can understand that. And I'm just going to say right now, he'd been wanting to go to Miami for a minute. I started hearing about Miami around the combine. So, like, I mean, let's not sit here and, and try to play this game that, oh, no, he didn't want to go there. And Rosenhaus went on went on the radio and marched down there in Florida and talked about it and all that type of stuff about how accommodating the Chiefs were and all that type of stuff and how respectful they were and everything. Couldn't say enough great things about Kansas City and how they basically let him get his client top dollar. So, like, it, it just it seemed disingenuous with what I saw there in, in the tease part. And I, I thought what really kind of stuck with me there in March was whenever Tyreek was in a Patrick Holmes wedding. Like, I mean, if he's, if he's your boy like that, no matter if you're going to Miami, Kansas city, whatever, I would have thought you would at least been in Hawaii for, for your boy there, like for his, you know, his wedding, that type of stuff for a big uh, life moment like that. Now, whatever the reason is on that, I have no idea, but that's something that always kind of perked my antennas and kind of stuck with me through, through that process in that regard. Um. But yeah, man, by the way, I mean, you can get the Dolphins at plus four thousand right now uh, to win the championship. Well, I know who their quarterback is, and no matter if he runs his mouth on Twitter or not and talks about him throwing deep balls fifty yards, he still is who he is. So good for him. But I, I'm sorry, man. I'm just it just like it just when I heard that, I was just I was like, come on, stop. Like I knew you got a football camp here in the area over the next week that's charging nearly three hundred and fifty dollars per kid. Whenever I looked it up on the website the other day, I, I get all that. And you want to make sure you get that money, get those kids that come to the camp. It just, I don't know, man, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is in that regard. I mean, at the end of the day, he admitted to me, he doesn't want to chase greatness and he didn't want to be a part of trying to continue to build championships and win multiple rings. He wanted to stay um, where by his home in the off season, go play for the dolphins, be the top paid receiver. So he made his choice there, but like the part that kind of rubs me the wrong way, is that the organization took a chance on you and drafted you. People want to argue that it was just Dorsey, but at the end of the day, Andy Reid had to be on board with that. Clark Hunt had to be on board with that. There's other people that have to be on board with that to to be okay with that happening and to take the arrows that they were going to take in the media and from all fan bases and from national media and all that type of stuff. And then when the, you know, when the, when 2019 happened and all that came to light, they were going to take even more errors in that regard. And the organization stood by him and paid him a contract that was fair market value. And even then, like the organization stood by him twice when a lot of other people wouldn't, and it still wasn't enough for him. So, I mean, it just, you know, it is what it is. And he made his choice. So good luck to him in Miami. Yeah. So uh, the time you got me, you got me salty, Todd. You got me salty <laughs> on that one. So the Tyreek Hill football camp that you mentioned on uh, uh, coming up on Sunday, uh, $350. Uh, how much do you think Saturday's Josh Dobbs football camp in Alpharetta, Georgia is? I half that. $25. You're kidding me. No, that's a bargain, right? Wow. I, mean, I could go learn from a quarterback. How much is the Devontae Adams camp in Las Vegas? Is $150, 175 $200. Interesting. Yeah, and the Devonte Smith one in New Jersey is one fifty. So, um, basically, uh, well, I mean, look, uh, good for him to still. I don't know. Keep. I mean, I don't know. It. 
it, it feels kind of like a, a naked cash grab. <laughs> <laughs> but what do I know? Um, so, Todd, what, did, what impressions did you get from being in the Chiefs press conference on Thursday? Well, we got to talk to a bunch of assistant coaches. Um, um, you know, hearing Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, and Andy Reid um, sing Kumbaya about how happy they are to be reunited, um, um, you know, was fine. Like, honestly, I think, I think the key figure there is Matt Nagy, right? Because he used to be Eric Bieniemy's boss. He went on, look, he got, he got the bears, the playoffs a couple of times, but ultimately he got fired. I mean, you've got to say ultimately the, the tenure there is, is a failure if you're fired after four years. Right. So it's a bit of a humbling experience. Um, you know, and then now to come back, um, and work for a guy that, you know, you used to be the boss of, um, cannot be, Look, I'll just say there are some guys who wouldn't be comfortable in that situation. I think Matt Nagy loves it. I think he's coming back. He's get he's getting to work with Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, he's got less responsibility, more free time to spend with his kids, and he's still on a championship caliber team with Andy Reid. Um, you know, Eric Bieniemy's got a, is going to be the one taking more of the slings and arrows if the offense struggles. Matt Nagy can kind of sit back and be like, "Hey, I mean, you know." Like he's not the one who's going to who's going to answer the questions on a weekly basis about why the offense is struggling or what his relationship with Patrick Mahomes is or anything like that. Um, I think the Chiefs coaching staff is better with Matt Nagy on it. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at, I mean, yeah, Andy Reid is an incredible offensive mind. Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson were two of the guys who also helped get the best out of Alex Smith during the time, you know, as, as quarterback coach and offensive coordinator in some capacity during that time when Alex Smith was resurrecting his career with the, the Kansas city chiefs. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, Matt Nagy's presence is, can help make Patrick Mahomes better. Um, and, uh, I, like I, selfishly, I like the guy, right? Like, I mean, last year when we called him up and asked him if he would talk to us about Therese Paler, um, he went out of his way to give us time, right? Like, um, yeah, so during training camp when he's right during the, yeah, in the middle of training camp as training camp was winding down. Uh, but that's the kind of guy he is. It was important for him to honor Teresa's memory. Um, and he was willing to go out of his way to do that, um, for you, um, and speak with me and, and look, that said, look, so, I mean, am I appreciative? Am I maybe a little biased? Am I a Matt Nagy fan? Probably. I probably am. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's deserved. Um, and, uh, you know, so like, I, I don't, I don't expect there to be friction on the staff. Um, you know, obviously they're going to be asked about it, but I, I don't think Andy would tolerate it. Um, and I don't think Matt Nagy's the kind of guy who's going to get into a power struggle over it and kind of put the team in that position. No, he's not going to, cause he's been. And Eric being able to go, hopefully go through this someday where once you've been a head coach, like you understand better what other people have gone through right? in other spots. So like you have, you have a lot of respect for that. And I think that's probably where Matt Nagy is. I know that's where Andy Reid's been and, and 
And I think, and you're hoping Eric Bieniemy is in that someday because Steve Spagnuolo, the way Steve Spagnuolo talks now, having been a head coach before versus before, you know, right? Like he gets it, man. There's a lot of the, like, you know, it's just it's just a whole different whole different ball game. So, you and, know, and Bieniemy may be in that situation someday. So, and I I think Matt Nagy's presence can help Eric Bieniemy too because. Sure. Um, Matt Nagy's a guy who's taken criticism for his play calling. He's taken bullets for his handling of, you know, from the media for his handling, a, a bad analogy, but for his handling of, um, you know, the, the, the players on the roster, right? Like, I mean, if anybody can help him sort through that, can, can understand it, you know, in addition to Andy Reed, like you've got another guy that you can talk to about that. If you're Eric B um, another resource that can help you because look, so, sometimes complaints need to go down, not up. Right. So, um, you know, if Eric Bienemy has some complaints that need to go down, um, you know, maybe he's got someone he can talk to now, um, you know, that, that, that he can, you know, that'll, that'll make that a little bit easier for him. If, if there are things he needs to unburden himself of during the course of the season. Uh, and I think Matt Nagy will understand that, that need, that desire, that impulse, that, uh, because he's he's been in Eric's seat, he's been in Andy's seat, um, and he gets it. Um, and so he's I, in his I, own seat that he's in. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, and he's been a quarterback coach before, so <laughs> I don't think you have to worry too much about can he do the job. I, I thought it was, you know, it was great. There wasn't a whole lot of other news out of you know the assistant coaches. I mean, you know, Brendan Daly was asked about the transition to linebackers, and and he and Andy both kind of said, look, it was his idea to to move to that spot. Um, you know, um, you know, I mean, that's what they said. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I will say I was surprised when Joe Cullen brought up like his past by himself unprompted. Uh, it was not unprompted. <laughs> okay. I it thought I thought prompted I, by my question. <laughs> I Well, I thought you asked after the fact because uh, I didn't know you, you did before. Yeah, I might have brought it up in the context of like how some of the adversity he went through as a younger coach, um, you know, impacts his ability to help guys, you know, um, you know, deal with adversity and and, and persevere. Yeah, I thought um, he had a good answer to it. Now that he's right. a more mature coach, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I apologize that I didn't know you asked the question. I couldn't hear you over the police scanners when I was listening at the time <laughs> in the office that I work in. No. And like, I mean, like I wasn't, he he's answered questions about everything that happened during his time in Detroit. And I look, I wrote about it when he was hired. So you can go to KSHP.com and look up Joe Cullen. If you want more details on, on all that, Um, you know, I mean, he hasn't shied away from it in the past. Uh, He's a very good D line coach. I I don't think that, I don't think that the chiefs lose anything by moving Brendan Daly. No, Um, I'm I'm really excited to see what Cullen can do with Frank and Chris Jones and, that whole defensive line. And that's part of the equation that I'm kind of wondering all of us on the outside are like, Hey, they need to go get another pastors. They need to get this and they need to get that. Maybe some of the coaching staff are like, Hey, let's see what he can do with these guys in training camp. And if he can unleash something in them that maybe just wasn't, you know, they need a different voice now to be able to hear that from maybe that's the difference in the pass rush. So, you know, you got to give that opportunity. Yeah. And and look, they're going to be, Look, I'm not saying that it's a panacea, right? But there's going to be a Taco Charlton or somebody like that who are you going to get a thesaurus or like a dictionary for panacea? I mean, it's not. It's not going to be a cure all. It's not going to solve everything. Why didn't you just say cure all? Well, you're going to go flex with the words. Because I like the word panacea better. 
Uh, and at Not least, you know, flex some of his words on flex. We Friday. can also talk about Pangea if you would like. <laughs> like Todd just out here taking Flex Friday to a whole new level with words. Pangea, which is uh, the space upon which Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Uh, is that one of Andy Reid's plays that he's calling this year? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's our goal line play, Pangea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, like, I, I, I think I still think that they probably will add a veteran at some point, whether it happens now, whether it happens in training camp, whether it happens after release date, you know, when somebody get you know, gets cut from another team, who knows? But I think at some point the chiefs will probably have to supplement um, that or, you know, maybe they wait a few games into the season and then they see if there's a Melvin Ingram, if, you know, see if Melvin Ingram's happy in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Once you trade him back. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I mean, you know, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he'll feel like a hostage down there in Miami and, you know, and Miami will be like, be like, well, we want volunteers, not hostages. So they're going to trade him for a six round pick again. I mean, any, anything's possible, Todd, but I think he's going to stay down in Miami. I think they got. I think he's okay Probably. with the warm weather in the in the in the beach and water. Better, better on the knees. Better on the knees. <laughs> maybe I don't know. And maybe people down there drive at the pace that he wants. I don't know. I do. Yeah. I mean, I know you're hoping that the Chiefs will sign in Damakin Sue, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I've it's only like... got that question like twelve times since I put cast face. They're like Sue. Like, yeah. like he's 35, man. Like, I mean, the thing about the thing that's been widely known about Sue in the league is he's a mercenary that he's not necessarily a really good locker room fit. Right. He's, he's not, from what I've heard, he's not exactly a guy that's going to go to top golf with his teammates and go make an evening of it yeah. or go to MX4D for a John Wick 3 movie. Like, yeah, I mean, this yeah, is no. not going to be, you know, this is not going to be his thing. Like, he's there to make his money. Um, support his family, play some football, and move on with his life. Like that's, uh, that's fine. He should have been the he should have been the Heisman winner back when he was in college at Nebraska. Um, and I would still be bitter if I was him too. Yeah, how long ago was that? It's been a minute because that was like early two thousands, right? Mid yeah, mid two thousands. Yeah. And it was Late it was criminal 2000s? that he was not uh, that he was not the. Uh, I can't even remember. No, because he was he was still during. He was wasn't he defensive lineman during uh, Blaine Gabbert's era? It was like late two thousands, like oh nine two thousand eleven range, probably. Um, Gabbert was a quarterback who got sacked by him. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, he definitely played, but I'm not sure. I think he was two thousand two thousand five to two thousand nine. Okay, um, is when he was at Nebraska. Yeah, he was. It shows he was drafted in two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so 2010 draft, but 2009 would have been his last year. Right, 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 right. Um, Any other so, things from my mentions you want to bring up right now, Todd? <laughs> no, I just wanted to. Th- I just wanted to throw that in there to be honry, if I'm being honest. So Sue, by the way, finished fourth in the Heisman voting that year, um, despite having uh, 12 tack or 12 sacks from the defensive tackle position. Care to take a stab at the three players who finished ahead of him? I, if I remember correctly, I think the guy who won the Heisman there was Bradford. No, not in 2009. He was, uh, he's still in the league. This guy's still in the league. They were in I 2009, so. Heidisman. Yep. 
running back at Alabama. First, first Alabama running back to win it, I think. Oh, it was Ingram. Yeah, Mark Ingram. Yeah. Do you know who was second? Give me a hint. Uh, he was a Stanford running back. <laughs> Hold on, because that was that would have been that guy that was. I don't. I don't know. Stanford won. I'm drawing a blank. Um, it was Toby Gearhart, who I think got drafted by the Vikings, right? And then I uh, never really heard from again. I, I haven't heard that name in a, since the Heisman. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, right? <laughs> since why I was drawing a blank. Dude. And uh, Texas Tech quarterback Colt McCoy finished third that year. Te- Texas um, quarterback, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Texas. Sorry. I, I mean, if he'd, he'd, have, he'd have won the Heisman if he'd gone to Tech, right? Um, Tim Tebow finished fourth in the Heisman voting that year. So, and Dominican Sue did at least beat him. Um, six. Well, I forgot they used to have five back then, didn't they? Well, that I mean, 10 players received votes but i but i i can't remember if only if five went or if it was always four that went to new york i think it just depends on the voting and who okay. who finished where cj spiller out of clemson noted chiefs great cj spiller finished six in the heisman voting that year i, think, I just want to throw that in there at this point i think this is just a setup for todd to get cj spiller in the conversation <laughs> no that's all this is noted chiefs great he'll be in the ring of honor one day well uh, todd I feel like this is where we're going off the rails now. So unless you got any final thoughts. No, I do. I look, Eric Bienemy was also asked about um, going to the two day mm-hmm. uh, NFL uh, meetings where they brought in potential future head coach and GM candidates. And, and he talked about the value of being able to sit down outside the interview process and actually get to know an NFL owner and stuff like that. And as you know, like, you and I talk different when we're talking on the phone than we do on the podcast, right? So, it, I mean, it, <laughs> you mean I enjoy like we're, we're not always on like this, um, you know, <laughs> in everyday conversation. But that's true. I mean, the the way that you that you interact with people in a job interview setting is different than the way you interact with them as coworkers or as friends or as colleagues or at the bar. And and so, uh, Eric Bieniemy talked about how valuable that was. Um, and he also made it clear. And, and one thing I think that's been absent sometimes, like it's not that I don't think Eric Bieniemy's wanted to be a head coach. I don't think he's always publicly spoken with the same yeah. fire he does at training camp about right. wanting to do it. And when he was asked this time, boy, he was fiery. He was passionate mm-hmm. about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, look, it's very much still something that he wants in the back of, of his mind or not even in the back of his mind. It's very much something he's striving for. Um, I, I honestly, I would be shocked if, if 2023 isn't the year that he finally gets that chance from somebody. Um, and I think I'm not going to be surprised if, if it doesn't trace back to May 23rd and May 24th and a conversation that he had with an owner at this thing that, the, that they set up where that owner was really impressed with, um, you know, something Eric had to say or the way he carried himself or, you know, he learned something that was different than what he'd heard about his interview style or the way he manages players, whatever. I'm not going to be surprised if, if it traces back to that. So um, look, sometimes the NFL, obviously it's, it's easy to be skeptical of things they do, you know, in light of the Flores suit. Um, But um, Andy Reid and and Eric B have been adamant that, that they, found value and that the NFL got it right on this. So kudos to the NFL, whether they did it for the right reasons or not, it sounds like it was valuable to the people it was meant to be valuable for. And and that's, that's good to hear.
And, and I'm glad you brought this up because this is something I meant to have us talk about on the podcast. Um, the, that in itself, I mean, I think there's a way where they can expand that down the road. Oh, and, absolutely. And make it multiple events. I think they just want to see how this first one went and then try to, you know, try to multiply it down in the future here and kind of give them more opportunities down the road to interview with more people. And I'm hoping they expand it to where position coaches get a chance to, to meet eat with other with other head coaches around the league or with, you know, other owners and GMs as well. Um, and give those guys opportunities to where maybe they can be an OC down the road or they can become a quarterback. You know, maybe they become a quarterback coach and they're a different position coach at that time. You know, maybe, and maybe they're in another, cause I mean, the reality of this is, and this is where I think it, it, right now in the league, if you want to be a head coach, you have to be the quarterback coach or an OC right now. Like those are your paths to get the head coach. So like those are the paths that need to be created for for people to have that opportunity. And I think that's where the program, if they can get it to where those guys get those opportunities in those positions, or even defensive coaches that want to become defensive coordinators, and maybe you know maybe somewhere around the around at some point it turns to where defensive minded coaches are needed more in the future than they are right now in terms of how the people view them or the mindset. So it'll, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see where, where that program goes. I hope that, I hope they expand it. I think it was a smart thing to do. And I'm hoping that they gives a lot more coaches opportunities, both and general, you know, front office candidates opportunities as well, because I mean, there's a lot of quality front office candidates that deserve chances as well. And I think there's a, there's, there's an opportunity for the league to really expand that, and turn it into something, whether it's every single owner's meeting or they make it like one day a part of the combine type of thing before they interview the players. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of chances, I think, where they can expand it and give those guys and those candidates multiple opportunities to interview with people and kind of create those connections. Well, yeah, just, just break down barriers that exist because, um, you know, one thing, you know, when people talk about like the, you know, differences between like rural America and cities, you know, and, and views that people have, you know, uh, in those areas, a lot of it, I think just comes down to, um, who you've interacted with, who you've had conversations with, who you count among your circle of, of friends and coworkers and colleagues and stuff like that. And B enemy talked about the value of being able to talk to the next Ryan polls, right? Like, and get to meet that person in a setting like this. Um, and then you have that connection moving forward. So, um, uh, anyway, I, look, I mean, I, you know, kudos to them. Like I said, I think, I think, I do not think that the um, opportunities to become a head coach have vanished. Um, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, maybe next year will be his year. Um, uh, last thing, any thoughts from the match? Um, you know, any thoughts about Patrick swing juice, any thoughts about how Josh Allen tanked it for him and his chance to, to win head to head against, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I think I think Patrick will be welcome back again for it because he was the most entertaining part of the entire event. Um, I think where they missed an opportunity and where they may have to decide in the future is can they involve Travis Kelsey in it? <laughs> yeah, in some way, whether he's up there on the commentary with JJ Watt type of thing or whatever. Because um, JJ Watt with Kelsey would have been interesting on the on the mic itself. 
I think Kelsey's got a bright future in TV if he wants it. Just like J.J. Watts, now I'm convinced J.J. Watt has a bright future in TV too because of how he handled himself in the match and how funny and witty he showcased himself. And and especially shows when it's a when it's an event that isn't something that's quote unquote part of their expertise, uh, public view, you know, public wise, perception wise. So that that goes a long way for JJ Watt to where I think he's got he's got a future in TV if he wants it, and I think Kelsey could too. So I, I would love to see Kelsey involved in it somewhere, some way, whether it's a broadcast or Mahomes' teammate. And then it would be, it, it honestly, it'd be kind of intriguing if they changed it a little bit and it was it was team it was teammates so like if tom brady had a teammate from his patriot days or or what would be hilarious is if they got tom brady to do it with bill belichick that would be really funny <laughs> um or you know or you know you have uh mahomes with uh, you know mahomes with kelsey would be intriguing but i i think they're trying to i don't know if they're just trying to feature quarterbacks in that but i i think I think Turner Sports is pleasantly surprised with what they got with the combination of Brady and Mahomes across from each other and how how good they got shot-wise from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Mahomes, uh, from a golf perspective, Mahomes looked better than, you know, than you'd expect out there on the golf course. Yeah, no, he he played well. well he, he said that his golf game was in pretty good shape since he wasn't having to rehab a foot surgery right now. So, um, And look, he and Kelsey did win, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake's um, tournament on the same course a few a few weeks earlier. Although apparently it did come out that uh, um, they have nicknamed one of the uh, uh, presumably man-made lakes that is course side there, Lake Travis, because um, he was having trouble with the putter one day and said he didn't want it anymore. So Jimmy Fallon tossed it in the lake. I that's not that's not verified by Kelsey though yet. So um, um, you know I, I don't think it needs, I, if I remember correctly it was in a vi- it was in one of the videos. That they were well, I just, event that I, I just, I still want to get Travis's perspective on it at some point. I want to say, I'm pretty sure Fallon or Timberlake put the video on their Instagram <laughs> when it happened. Probably. I'm like, what are they doing right now? I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. Be like, well, they were fixing his his golf game. Mm-hmm. So, so, well, Tom, that's all I got for you. All right, that's all I got too. Um, hopefully, nobody feels like they need to go to Wendy's after this podcast, but. Uh, If you do, I apologize, and we'll try to do better next week. Take care, kids.